What makes a hero? According to philosopher and scholar Joseph Campbell, a hero is an archetypal figure who takes a journey from his or her ordinary world, goes out on an adventure, through a decisive crisis wins a victory, then returns home transformed with gained wisdom to offer others. This podcast features inspiring stories of real people on the hero's journey and the pivotal moments that changed the course of their lives forever. What do an engineer, meditation expert, high school teacher, relationship therapist, best-selling author, data storyteller, singer, entrepreneur, neuroanatomist, and marketing maven have in common? They've all been on the hero's journey, and they've all been on this podcast. Welcome to the last episode of Season 2. In this season finale, I'm featuring highlights from each of the 10 heroes who shared their story. May you be inspired to become the hero in your own journey. I'm Belinda Lambs, and this is The Moment When. Well, I have to say it feels really great to be at the end of 10 beautiful episodes from season two. So I love the hero's journey because it's a way for us to sort of identify phases of our process as we go through the challenges and the difficulties and the breakthroughs and the transformations in our lives. Perhaps you feel like you're the only one going through something I'm presenting to you these other people that have been through so much, and they come through. It's possible. You can do it, too. Okay, so before we dive in, I just want to remind you that you can listen to all the episodes from Season 1 and Season 2 on my website, themomentwhen.me. You can also find them all on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the major podcast platforms. Okay, let's dive in. Episode one was called When the Inside is Out with my guest, Hal Fillier Aguilera. And Hal is somebody that I knew probably 30 years ago through our mutual friend, Naomi. He and I ran into each other at a party and we reconnected and I discovered that he had been through quite a lot of difficulties in his life and had had some breakthroughs and some healing. And he definitely had a story to share. So I asked him to be on my show, and he was so authentic and heartfelt and vulnerable, and it was incredibly beautiful. If you didn't hear the episode, you're going to hear a little piece now. I also want to mention that my husband, Jeff Lambs, who does the music for each episode, he gives every song a special title that's like a play on words with the person's name. So in this particular one, he called it Hal, Lay, Lou, Yeah like four different words all together. And of course, it's a play on Hal's name, but it's also a big hallelujah for all that he had overcome. If you want to hear all of Jeff's compositions for the episodes, you can find them on his website, jefflambs.com. Uh, cute behind the scenes, when Hal first heard the show, and he heard his voice at the very beginning when I play a little clip, a preview clip, he didn't know who that guy was. He didn't realize it was him. It was so cute. To set this up, uh, Hal had lost his dad at a young age. He was devastated. 
He grew up with various stepdads and had a hard time. He eventually became a musician and a worship leader in a church. He knew that he was gay, but he was trying to not be gay. So he kept suppressing it. And at one point, he just was tired of not being himself. And he got in a relationship with a guy, left the church, ended up getting involved in drugs, in meth, and became addicted, and really started spiraling down. Uh, He and Naomi had reconnected, and Naomi suggested that he go through Breakthrough Training, which is a transformational workshop led by one of my other guests, Dan Takini, which we'll talk about in a little bit. During the training, the participants played a game called Lifeboat, which helped reveal the way they were relating to their own lives. Listen to what Hal discovered through this game. That exercise made me aware of the fact that I didn't want to live, that I chose during the game to die. I think that was the pivot moment for me when when I came to realize how much I didn't want to be on the planet, how much my... How much my, my dad's death was kind of like a, it took, it took the desire to live away from me. Subsequently, I, I got deeper into the, the, the drug situation with the guy that I was with. And there was one moment when I didn't overdose, but I took something that, that made me pass out. I woke up puking and it was that moment that I went, I, I wanna live. Hal quit cold turkey. He went back into therapy, and he started getting in touch with what was really going on. Like, I went into it thinking, I need to be straight. I don't want to be, I don't want to be homosexual anymore. When it really was, I needed to figure out if I wanted to live or not. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Hal. The next episode, number two, is called When the Mirror Shatters with Kelly Howell. And Kelly is a world-renowned meditation teacher, and she's made meditation audio programs using binaural beats to entrain your brain into various wave states in order to achieve whichever desired results you want. I'd utilized her meditation audio programs many times, but never actually talked with her. So I reached out. She said, yes, it was a perfect timing because she was about to launch a meditation masterclass. And I was a little nervous at first, but as we talked and I heard her voice, I just got very comfortable and wanted to get to know her. The name of Kelly's theme song is entitled Howellini Brain. And the story behind that is obviously her last name is Howell and she works with the brain, but Jeff also did a play on the word kundalini and Howland did a mashup. So Kelly's story begins when she had a career in the entertainment business and then she had a string of tragedies. She got in a car accident, was paralyzed, her husband left her, then her mother and her grandmother died, both of whom she was very close with. She lost her job. She became desperate. I had nothing. I had been stripped bear. Like my ego had been destroyed from all that had happened. My identity was so wrapped up in what I did and who I knew and all of that. It had all been taken away. I knew I had a path and a purpose and a mission. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. None. 
The desire to uncover her path and purpose eventually led her to discover meditation. She began practicing, asking God to please give her some kind of message or sign. Nothing would happen. And then it did. In my mind's eye above my head, suddenly this giant sphere of golden light appeared, like huge, brilliant gold ball of light, like a big giant ball of light. In my mind, I'm going, oh my God, oh wow, you know, I'm just like in awe. And the ball starts to slide down and down, you know, like the, the New Year's Eve ball, you know, it's like coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. It comes and it slides into my head and then it exploded into a thousand million like golden sparks. And it came through my whole body. My whole body was just vibrating. And I heard a voice, and the voice said, make tapes. I knew without a doubt, not a single doubt in my mind, that I was going to make tapes to help people. I knew exactly what I needed to do. Notice that the message didn't come quickly, but it did come. Thank you, Kelly. All right, next on deck, episode number three was with Dave DeLong. It was called When the Weight Crushes. And Dave is the husband of Lisa DeLong, who was my very, very first guest in season one. Most of my episodes are done over the phone, but Dave really wanted to be in person and see eye to eye. So we invited he and Lisa over to our home. We set up the mics, did the episode, and then they stayed over and had Shabbat dinner with us, which was really precious. Dave is a high school track coach and a teacher. He was a star athlete when he was in college, in great shape. He had the perfect life. He married Lisa, his high school sweetheart. They had their perfect son, Justin. And then Justin got leukemia. He was cured, but then he relapsed. And during that relapse period, they tried treatments. Dave and Justin got really close and then Justin died. Dave was devastated. This is something that we share in common, as we also lost a child to leukemia. Jeff entitled the musical theme, DeLong Hall. Let's take a listen. One way that I dealt with my grief was that I, I kind of turned to food, eating whatever I wanted, not really caring, maybe because you've lost your child, so you've lost a little bit of your own will to live and maybe live the best you can. Food seemed to be the thing that comforted me. And so I gained a fair amount of weight, maybe 70, 80 pounds, and I developed diabetes. I knew the symptoms, a lot of family members had had it, and I knew it was time to say, Dave, it's time to, to grow up and get over this and get on with life. and stop treating yourself this way. So I think the diabetes, because it scared me about shortening my own life, about living a quality of health that I wanted, that was kind of a pitiful moment right there where I needed to kind of say enough is enough, Dave, and you need to worry about you now and take care of you so that you're gonna be here for your family. Dave's second son was diagnosed with leukemia as well. So he really was needed to take care of his family. Dave and Lisa are amazing people, true heroes. Thank you so much for sharing, Dave. Okay, next episode, number four, was with Hades Schleifer, called 
when fate is twisted. Haiti, I did not know. I became aware of her through a friend of my husband's. And she and her husband, Yumi, have had this long-term marital healing workshop and counseling and training. And they're phenomenal people who have been through so much incredible story. And uh, I watched her documentary, and I decided to ask her to be on the show. And she said, yes, lucky me. So it was our first time to communicate with each other. Behind the scenes during the show, I was moving from California to Las Vegas. Jeff and I had bought a house in Vegas, so we're in the middle of packing and closing down that chapter of our lives and opening up this new one. So all of that was going on at the same time. Jeff named the theme song of this episode, Still Small Echo. And normally he does a play on somebody's name. Well, Echo happens to be one of the meanings of Haiti. Part of Haiti's journey was hearing the still small voice guiding her. So still small echo. Very clever. So her story is she was born into a Jewish family in Europe who had survived the Holocaust. They were an Orthodox family, and it was quite strict for Haiti in her teens. So she needed to break out. She ended up going to Brazil and staying with a family member and hung out with this gal named Lucy who had severe scoliosis. So both Haiti and Lucy, feeling constrained in their own ways, decided to go on this daring boat adventure on the River Paraná. And there was a terrible boat accident, and Lucy drowned. Haiti was guided by this mysterious, still, small voice that guided her through the jungle to find proper help. After she broke the horrible news to Lucy's parents, Haiti began to unravel. I felt like the person who should have died was me because I had had a life and that Lucy deserved to have a continued adventure. You know, she wasn't the one who should have died. And I decided that I'm just not going to live. So the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to walk on the street and I'm just going to carelessly cross the street so that a car will just hit me. And so I went down to the road of the cars and I heard that same voice and it said, look, I did not guide you through the jungle for you to take your life. And it was just so clear there that my life had a real purpose and that I didn't have a right to take my life, that it was much bigger than me. I deeply understood it. I didn't know what my purpose was, but I just understood that there was a purpose and that I'm guided in a very profound way, in ways I don't understand at all. I had no idea which story Haiti was going to share. I was completely shocked by the story, and I was crying so hard I had to edit some of that out. It was just so powerful and moving. And what she's done with her life since is just remarkable. Thank you so much, Haiti. Okay, moving along, episode number five was with Thomas Moore called When the Answer is a Question. Thomas Moore is a best-selling author. He wrote Care of the Soul, which I had read and was very helped by. He's an accomplished and highly educated scholar, composer, author. He was a priest. He went into the priesthood when he was 13 years old and just years and years of education, gathering multiple degrees. 
and just a wonderful, tender soul. And so I asked him to be on the show. Yay, he said yes. Such a delight. I edited most of this show while lying in bed because I had gone to Maui and fallen during a hike, which caused a stress fracture in my knee. So I was airlifted out of that area because I couldn't walk. I had to stay off of my leg for weeks. So I'm in the middle of doing this show and the show must go on. Needless to say, I had plenty of time to focus on this episode. The music that Jeff composed was loosely inspired by a song that Thomas had written. And Jeff named the song More Soul. More spelled like M-O-O-R-E, his last name, and soul, of course, because that's what he's all about. We pick up the story where Thomas was ready for a change in his life. Revolution was in the air. And I think I caught some of that. And I also felt I was being educated so well that I had a lot of doubts and questions about what was going on in my education. Well, one day I just woke up and I realized that whatever had inspired me to go off and do this and spend 13 years at it had gone. It disappeared within those few weeks. It had just gone. And I'm just the kind of person I look back at my life. When I feel that way, I make my decision and I get out of it. I I make a change. So I told the person in charge that I I couldn't go any further. And he tried to convince me to spend a year just to try to sort it out. Taking a year to think about it's not going to do any good because it's definite. I know, I know at this point now that It's time for me to change and shift and move on. And none of my colleagues, my classmates, or my professors understood that. They seemed to be rather negative, and that shocked me and surprised me that I didn't get their support. But I left. I had no way of making a living, and I didn't know what I was going to do. But that was another call again. You know, it was was time to end this one phase and take a chance on something else. I so relate to Thomas that way. When I'm ready to make a change, I have to make the change, even if other people don't understand. Thank you, Thomas, for inspiring us with your great story and all of the books that you've written and all that you do to help the world. Before we continue with the rest of the episodes, I just want to remind you that this show is sponsored by patrons. We have wonderful people who donate money every month to keep this show going and it's so helpful and so lovely and I want to give you that opportunity if you love the arts if you love this podcast you can sign up to become a patron if you would like to support us just go to patreon.com slash Belinda Lambs now let's move on with the rest of the episodes Episode number six was with Susan Svensk called When Evil Lies in Wait. Susan, I've known since college. We used to hang out a lot. Many years went by when we didn't see each other, and much like I ran into Hal, I ran into Susan at a party, and she shared her journey with me. I asked her to be on the show, and oh my gosh, what a powerful story. Jeff named her theme song Mending the Svensk. 
Susan had a great career. She was a bigwig at Microsoft working under Bill Gates. Simultaneously, she and her husband were dealing with some challenges in their marriage, and they moved to a new town and befriended this neighbor guy who ended up stalking Susan and then drugging and sexually assaulting her, not once, but twice. This caused serious injuries, which required surgeries, and she was coping with all of this by denying what actually happened to her. But it wouldn't leave her alone. I got to the point where I almost couldn't leave my house. I could leave my house for certain things, but for other things I couldn't, and was having panic attacks. Still refusing to look at the fact that that all of this was coming from these attacks. And I'm still, you know, saying, oh, I'm not gonna look at that, I'm not gonna look at that. So I had additional surgeries after the two first surgeries. I had every doctor in the world trying to figure out how to get me out of pain and not having any success. And it, it robbed me of my profession. Everything in my life that gave me joy, it just took away. I love to cook. I think you remember that about me, probably. <laughs> couldn't cook. I couldn't do any of the things I loved. I didn't know who I was anymore. Two years ago, I started having flashbacks. And I couldn't figure out why I was having flashbacks, but every day I was flashing back on this stuff. And I realized I really needed help. And so, uh, you know, I went on a journey to kind of reclaim my faith in God, which is probably sounds like a weird thing to do, it almost sounds like I, I should actually be shaking my fist, you know what I mean? And I really think that that journey is kind of what triggered the flashbacks. Because through that journey, I started becoming vulnerable again. I started rethinking pieces of my life and what it meant for me to have a relationship with God, what I actually believed, how it affected my politics, how it affected, you know, my family. And I think when I took that first step of vulnerability, the first thing that happened, of course, was the thing that was in there that kept wanting to come out just came right up to the top. And it demanded my attention. It's not easy to recount painful memories and experiences. Thank you, Susan, for being willing to share all of what you shared. Okay, our next episode was number seven with my sister, Robin Severn Fischette, and it's called When a House Collapses. So this is actually a repost episode from season one, the reason being that my husband and I took a trip to Europe, and it was an epic experience. We went to France and saw some of my husband's relatives and toured around. We went to Italy and went to Tuscany. It was just phenomenal. And I didn't have time to do the extensive editing it requires to do this show. So I decided to repost a couple episodes from season one, which are still so phenomenal. Since I first posted Robin's episode last season, she's done a lot of healing. She's doing great. And she's in a great place, though it's not always easy. The musical composition that Jeff created, he entitled No Robin, as in stealing. Because Robin really shifted from being a victim who was taken from to being a victor. So like I said, she's my sister. She went through this painful divorce, something she never had imagined for herself. And 
through all the stress of this, her health broke down, which kicked off a series of wake-up calls. There were two things that really kind of woke me up at that time. One was I could tell that, you know, the, my closest person in my life, my husband, was disinterested and lacked care for me during that time. It wasn't, didn't even ask, you know, what was going on or how I was doing. It was like totally disenfranchised. And that blew my mind. Like, do you not care that I'm hurting? I mean, what if I have cancer? You know, I didn't know what I had. And the other thing that woke me up was one of my last visits to a dermatologist for the skin conditions. I was asking him questions and my mind would just go down the rabbit holes of fear. And so I was probably shooting them out at him like a machine gun. <laughs> And he basically looked at me sternly and he said, if you don't calm down, no amount of medicine is going to help you. Robin's pivotal moment came when she recognized that it was her responsibility to change her own life. The first thing I had to decide in that moment was, how do I want to live now? If everything that I've been doing has led me here, what has to change? And how do I want to live from here forward? And I realized I don't want to live the rest of my life sick, sad, lonely, and heartbroken. I did not want that to be my story. So that was the moment I decided I've got to do whatever it takes to be well and figure out what that means. And I knew that the only person who could make that happen was me. And she has made that happen. I've had the privilege of seeing her grow and blossom, and it's just incredible. You are my hero, Robin. I love you. Episode eight was with Dan Dakini called When the Jig is Up. And this is also a repost from my Europe trip. So I chose Dan's show to let you hear again because it's so powerful. First of all, Dan is a transformational trainer, and he is the one I referred to in Hal's show who created the breakthrough trainings that help people have these incredible insights and change their lives. Jeff was inspired by the theme from the movie A Beautiful Mind, and Dan had been living as a fraud, so he named it A Beautiful Disguise. So to introduce this clip, years ago, Dan and his wife Eileen were struggling with each other. He had been caught as a fraud in multiple ways, and they were trying to figure out if they were going to stay together. So they set up these morning meetings to discuss their relationship. He kept accusing her of being unwilling to get a job and help out with their financial situation, and she insisted that's not what she was saying. He wasn't hearing her, but all he could hear was what he thought she was saying. And the next morning I get up and I go into the kitchen to talk. She's got a tape recorder on the counter. <laughs> I said, what the hell's that? You know, what are you doing with that thing? She said, "I well, let's just see what your ears and what you're hearing, Mr. Trainer, because you're not hearing me. And maybe I'm not hearing you, so this way we can test our ears. So I said, okay, turn it on. So we started talking and sure enough, we forgot that it was on. And about 20 minutes later, I'm starting to escalate. I'm saying to her, well, so you don't want to help. And 
she sees me escalating. So she says, stop, man, just stop for a second. Pushes the button, says, let's hear what the tape recorder said. So she runs it back. What I had said was, hey, we're running out of savings and I don't know how much long we can do this for like eight or nine months, but you know, at that point we're gonna be out of savings. What are we gonna do? And do you wanna help or can you help? And she said, Dan, I wanna help. I'm willing to do whatever I can do, but I, I'm not willing to leave Danny at a babysitter's. That's when I said, well, you don't wanna help then. Then she said, I didn't say that. So then I turned the tape recorder off and I said, okay, you didn't say that exactly, but you meant it, right? And she rolls her eyes and says, you know, look, man. And I said, okay, good. If you meant it, then what would you do? Because I thought I'd catch her off guard. She goes, wait a minute. She pulls out of her purse a two-page business plan for a daycare center. That's when I realized that the very work I was doing, I wasn't really practicing. And the difference between what I was saying about what Eileen was saying and what Eileen was saying was quite vast. And I had collapsed the two. And it was a profound revelation for me. And then I started wondering, where else am I doing this in my life? Dan's been able to help countless people get this same awareness in their lives, including moi. Thank you, Dan. Okay, episode number nine with Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor called When the Sound is Silence. Now, I did not know Jill, but I met her through Haiti Schleifer's show because she happens to be a Haiti fan, and she contacted me to say how much she loves Haiti. I happen to know who Dr. Jill was because she's quite a famous neuroanatomist who had a viral TED Talk discussing a stroke that she had had and was able to study from the inside out. She wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight, and she was working on her second book while we recorded this episode. We actually used a video Skype connection so we could see each other while we were recording, and she was such a delight, such an enthusiastic soul. Jeff named her theme song Brain Bolty. Need I say more? To set up this clip, Jill had had a stroke. She was in the hospital. She had lost the use of the left hemisphere of her brain. She was unable to speak, but very aware, Jill was making these incredible discoveries about the brain and the soul firsthand. You know, everybody's mourning. People are grieving. People are unhappy. People are crying. People are devastated. And I am not. I'm just in this condition of being big as the universe, feeling love and compassion and openness, and realizing that I have found this incredible blissful euphoria and yet I am not dead, I'm alive. And what that said to me was, this is circuitry because everything for me always goes back to the cells in the circuitry. It's just ingrained in my, my filter of how I perceive everything as a neuroanatomist and has my entire life. So for me, that meant I am running a circuit that is blissful euphoria. And what that means is that everyone is capable of running the circuitry. The circuitry is always running. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I could ever get anything back, but if I could get back enough to communicate this to people and they knew that they could find their own blissful euphoria, then to me that would be worth the effort that it would take in order for me to recover, in order to communicate that to them, in order to live in a better humanity. And so that was what I decided to do. 
Well, that is certainly one way to get your calling. Seriously, that is the most unique, amazing story, and I'm so grateful to have had Jill on the show. Thank you so much. Last but not least, episode 10 was with Angelique Schumacher called When Mama's Off Her Rocker. Angelique is my niece. She is Jeff's sister's daughter. Not only is she a marketing maven, she's the mother of two and married to a wonderful husband named Jason. Angelique had a really rough time after both of her pregnancies. She suffered with postpartum anxiety and depression quite severely, and it was debilitating. So she has this incredible story of what she went through and how she broke through and what she's doing now, which I'll share a little bit more after you hear the clip. Jeff named the theme song Angel Maker, and it's a play on both of her names, Angelique Angel Maker Schumacher, and the fact that she makes angels, her little kids, Caitlin and Levi. Right before we recorded, I was in my master bedroom closet because we have construction going on all around us, and I was trying to protect from the noise. So I sent a little photo to Angelique of my surroundings. Here's where I'm recording us. And she sent a photo back with her location, which was at her perfect desk with these gorgeous little symbols of her children and what she's been through and this inspiring environment. So it was quite the contrast. Although I'm very inspired that I actually have a closet that I can go into and record. So with this postpartum depression, Angelique couldn't sleep. And there came a point that she was just ready to do herself in. So she actually took a handful of Benadryl pills and tried to just go to sleep or end her life. Listen as she shares her journey. I felt broken and alone and so scared. When you go through something like that and you admit to potentially ending your life, then they make you go to a behavioral health center. And those places are are not for new moms at all. They made my situation worse because they are just there to really get your medication under control. And for me, medication was not working. It was making everything worse. And all I wanted to do was to get out of there because I knew just being in that environment and surroundings was not going to heal me or make me any better. Wow, my journey was really tough. I I almost died with the Benadryl incident. I was in and out of all these hospitals. And I just felt like It shouldn't be this way for moms that are struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety. They shouldn't feel so alone and so shameful and scared and and with absolutely no place to go except for these behavioral health centers, which for me made things so much worse because there was no one else in there during that time that was going through what I was going through specifically. You see what I mean? So what has come of this is Angelique has started a campaign called You Are More, M-O-H-R, Mama's Off Her Rocker. And she started a website, mamasofferrocker.com. She is writing a book about her journey, and she is devoting her life to other mamas who are suffering with postpartum depression and aren't getting the right kind of treatment. 
She started a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for inspirational bracelets and t-shirts in order to remind these mamas that they are more than their disorder. Thank you, Angelique, for sharing your journey and using it to help other people. That's what heroes do. Okay, my listeners, that's the end of the season. Thank you so much for listening. It's such a pleasure to do this for you. Just a reminder, you can become a monthly patron at patreon.com slash Belinda Lambs. I've also posted a one-time PayPal donation link for the end of the year. Special thanks to those who supported the show this year. I would like to mention you by name. Thank you, Marsha Skidmore, Jean and Susan Miller, John and Karen Ferraro, Robin Severn Fischette, Peter and Susan Spensk, John and Sue Bulisek, Jonathan Severn, Rose Burton, Paul and Naomi Belts, Glenn and Allie Holman, Jeff Dykhouse, David and Lisa DeLong, Jason and Angelique Schumacher, and Hal Fillier Aguilera. We welcome your social media love by following and liking us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find all those links in the show notes. The Moment When is made with love by Soul Mind Productions for your inspiration and transformation. Until next time, I'm Belinda Lambs. <laughs>